Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Mark 6, we are kicking off a new series. I I am calling Forward. We are moving forward. We have to get past our past to move forward. And it really kind of is a a great way to come off of the series we just finished called One. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that if you did not have a chance or if you missed one of the installments. Um, Even if you heard them all, go back and listen to them again. You can forward them, send them to your friends. And so we just want to encourage you uh, just to be ready of what God's doing in our hearts and our lives, to be that tree of life to a lost and hurting world. And this was kind of rolling around to me uh, at the end of the year, and then clarity came through 21 days of prayer. And normally in February, I do a series on relationships. I've done that for so many years now. Just February, Valentine's, let's talk about that. And we'll do that at another time. But I really felt impressed with the Lord to dive into this idea of forward in order for you and I to keep moving forward, move our marriage forward, move our family forward, move our finances forward, move our lives forward in God, then we have to be able to get past our past. And the reality is there's always things that will come up. The enemy will lie to us, put people in our path, whatever, that will try and hinder our forward motion. And so I want to talk about that in the, in the course of this series. So let me start right here. This is a great story. Jesus is going back to his hometown where he's from, and he's taking his disciples with them. Let's start reading here in chapter 6. Mark 6, verse 1 says this. Jesus left there. There is where he was, obviously, which was the Sea of Galilee area. He did the majority of his ministry around the Galilee area, and he uh, headquartered in Capernaum, which is right there on the sea. Now he's going 25 miles away to his hometown. His hometown is Nazareth. Now we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? A little town of Bethlehem. But he was just born there, but he was raised and grew up in Nazareth till he started his earthly ministry around the age of 30. So this is where he grew up. So he's going there and went or left Capernaum going to Nazareth went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the Sabbath came he began to teach in the synagogue so he's the guest speaker he's back in his hometown he brings his disciples his small group with them and then he begins to teach in the synagogue and many now listen to this many who heard him were amazed say amazed many who heard Jesus speak were amazed where did this man get these things now notice they said where did this man because Jesus grew up there and I don't know if they just didn't recognize him or what. He hasn't been gone that long. They say, where did this man get these things? These are amazing things he's saying. What's this wisdom that has been given him? This is incredible. I've never heard things like this before. And what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Can you believe what you're seeing happening here? And listen to what happens in verse 3. Isn't this, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? Oh, hold on a second. Isn't this Mary's son? and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? Now listen to this last phrase. And they took offense at him. How quickly the whole attitude changed. Because now they're set that, first of all, they're saying, well, this is amazing what he's saying. We've never heard stuff like this before. Look at the miracles. Who does this? This is fantastic. This is awesome. And all of a sudden, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, I think I know who this guy is. Hey, this is the carpenter guy. This is Mary's son. His brothers, his sisters are here. And they went from amazed to annoyed. Like, what happened? It goes on to say this in verse four. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not, listen to this, he could not do any miracles there. Now that's, maybe, maybe you're thinking right now, wait, wait a minute, we're talking about Jesus. What do you mean he could not? Obviously the guys in the booth top, typed the, right, the wrong word in there. I mean, Jesus can do anything. But notice it says he could not. It doesn't say he would not. 
And it doesn't say he was unwilling. It says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And you know why that is? Now, we know God can do anything and everything, but the one thing God will not do is violate your will. He will not violate your will. It's how he said, could he do it? I mean, he can do anything, but he chose to set up in a way that he will not violate your will. It says on verse six, he was amazed at the lack of faith. There's two places, or a couple of places in the scripture where Jesus, it says that he was amazed. One of those, uh, both of those have to be with faith. One is they're amazed, he's amazed at their lack of faith. Another one, he's amazed at great faith that was shown that day. He's amazed. I wonder how many of you think that sometimes we find ourselves in the presence of Jesus, if you will, and we don't recognize him for who he is. It's interesting to me to know that the people that were closest to Jesus were the ones that rejected him. I mean, Nazareth is just 25 miles away from his base in Capernaum, and you know, the stories of Jesus' travels and the things that he did actually had to have hit there. And he took his disciples back to the place he grew up, I think for a reason. It wasn't because, let's say, hey, let's take a little bit of vacation, man. It's been tough on the road. Let's, let's go back home. Let's go home. I'll show you my hometown I grew up in. Man, let's just we'll meet my friends. We'll hang out. Maybe we'll, we'll do a little bit of campaign, raise a little funds for the next crusade, whatever that looks like. Jesus was obviously going there on purpose to teach his disciples, and therefore you and I, a lesson, something that I believe we need to know, taking him back to his hometown. Now, I like going back to places where I grew up. And in fact, my wife and I, have been a few years, we, I was invited to speak at the church we were out of. And we came out of a church in Elkhart, Indiana. I mean, all from as long as I can remember to sixth grade, we lived in this town and we I grew up there through school. And so my wife was so gracious. I was driving around. This is the place we used to live. And, and here's the Tasty Freeze we used to go to after baseball games and, and the skating rink. Remember skating rinks? Remember <laughs> and this is the skating rink that we would go to and stuff. And she was so gracious. I acted like it was the greatest place on the planet. And I knew that I married the right person. Can I tell you right then? Right? This is wonderful. However, I was not as gracious when we went back to the place she grew up. And so, because we went to this place called Bowie, Texas. How many guys know Bowie, Texas? Not Jim Bowie, but Bowie, Texas, right? Yeah, nobody in first service either. I'm just hiding. It's like, <laughs> says, says a lot right there. So, a town of about 5,000 people, her family, mom and dad's side of the family, all grew up in that area. But her dad's family grew up in a little bitty town just a few miles north called Bellevue. Now, Bowie has 5,000 people. Bellevue has 350. It must be the, the smallest number they'll put on the population sign right there. We're not going to spend any money for any less than this amount. That was on the sign right there. And we're driving around town all about five minutes. And uh, so seeing the places where her family grew up. And I was meeting her family, her dad's, her, her, her dad's mom and dad. Her, her dad's mom's name, Willa Dean. So I'm meeting Willa Dean. And I'm meeting Aunt Skeeter and Aunt Shorty. Those, seriously, those are real names, and I never got if that was like on their birth certificate or not, but I wonder, I knew where Shorty came from, but Skeeter, I was like, why that name? But anyway, so I was like, if you knew the town, you'd know why. But I wasn't quite as gracious in that, and so you can just imagine this moment where Jesus is going back to the place that he's been, and it wasn't this sense of excitement to, look at all the people, they're going to be excited and come home again, and I want you to meet all my friends and family and all that. And you can see just here in this first couple of scriptures, it went from amazing to all these things. And all of a sudden, once familiarity hit, things changed. It's interesting, isn't it? And so he went there and he took his disciples and to show them around, not to show them around, but to be there. And I, I want to just point out to you that notice that Jesus was rejected by those who were closest to him. He was more widely accepted among the sinners than the religious people. And people worked so hard to make church religious. 
I don't understand that. We have to be very careful. And here's what was said by, in John, John 1, 11, Here's what he said. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. There's something to be said about coming to a place where we can get so familiar with what's happening around about us that we miss the power of it. We miss the awesome, we miss the awe. And can I say this, that you and I have to be very, very careful that we just don't get into routine and we just don't, church is just church, I'm just going to church again, where we can come into a place where the power of God we believe is present, but yet we miss the miracle because we've become too familiar with it. We've become, it's become common to us. And for us to move forward, we have to keep this sense of awe. We have to understand. Because I think that's a very sad place to be rejected, not accepted by those closest to you. And unfortunately, we spend so much energy and so much time, so much emotion trying to get them to accept us or support us. And I believe that to be true, a hindrance to us going forward, just personally, would be like if we've just received Jesus and we're excited about what God has for us and we're, we're exploring all the possibilities of our new relationship with him and the destiny that he has and the gifts and callings on our life. And then we go back to the people that are closest to us because we want them to understand understand and support and accept, and they don't. Many of you have gone back to people, and I'm like, really, seriously? Church? No, I've been there. I've been there and done that. In fact, I had, uh, it was a meeting not long ago where someone introduced me to one of their friends and introduced me as a pastor, and I said, hey, man, pastor here, man, I'd love to see you. And he goes, yeah, I, I did that as a kid. <laughs> I grew up in church, and I'm wondering, it's like, what happened? Because we're not just coming to, quote, unquote, church. We're coming to have an encounter with the only true and living God. We're coming to have an experience that's unlike any other. And this should never be common, but because we come so familiar with it, sometimes we just allow it to be common to us. And that was never, that's never the intent. And then we go out to other people and we tell them about our experience with Jesus. And they may not see it the way you see it. They may not have had the same experience. And those that you want the most to accept and support what you've done, they may not. And the tendency is not for you necessarily to pull them along with you. The tendency is for them to pull you their way. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we're no longer moving forward that we've stalled out or we've stopped or perhaps we're even moving backward in some way because now we've allowed our want of acceptance from people that are closest to us that we'll turn and walk away from the thing. Well, uh, well, it's not that really that big a deal. I mean, I know I, I say go every Sunday, but maybe not every Sunday or whatever that looks like. And it's sad to say that there's so many people not coming and connecting, not just here, but around the country anymore, because they've been more concerned about the acceptance of their friends, aside from the acceptance of God. And so they miss out the encounters, the opportunities that we can have in his presence to just be lifted up and to be blessed by him. Have you ever wanted anyone just to notice that in you and appreciate that in you, approve or accept your relationship or what you do and pursue the things of God. I mean, we all do. I mean, think about that. Think about things you want people to appreciate what you do or understand it. I, I know that's like a first service my wife was talking about. Hey, could you make this announcement? And could you make this announcement? And I said, well, honey, why don't you come up here with me and make that announcement? And she's not, she's not really comfortable with a winging it thing. And, and so it, was, it has to be scripted. We didn't have that. And I said, no, come on, it'll be great. And, and so she came up first service and really that my ulterior motive was this. I just wanted her to see what it's like. It's not that easy, right? It's not that easy to get up here and do this. And it may seem and look that way, but I'm telling you, it's not that easy. And I remember it's kind of like my getting back, if you will. I, I'm, I, hey, how about preaching on Sunday? I'm trying to get her minister when she does. It's phenomenal and stuff and to experience it. I just wanted to see what that's like. But I remember when our kids were much smaller, my wife would go out of town, like with the girls or go on a ladies retreat. She'd leave and Sam would be gone for a couple days and stuff. I'm like, no worries, man. I got it covered and we're good. And then like after two hours, I'm like, when are you coming home? When are you coming back? What did you do? Why'd you leave me with these kids? 
And I, you know, waiting at the door for her to come and come home. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I am so sorry. I had no idea. Do you want me to buy you some more pillows? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, sorry. No, seriously, pray for me. Because I'm, I'm in it deep right now. But He just wants someone to love what you love and appreciate what you appreciate. And so sometimes a hindrance going forward is, see, Jesus had to leave Nazareth to go fulfill what God had for him. He had to leave that place of familiarity because there wasn't going to be as accepted because they know you. Other people, they can put masks up and other people you, you can fool if you will, but those closest to you, you cannot. And sometimes, if we're not careful, that can be a hindrance to that familiarity. We find ourselves wanting to please those closest to us instead of please God. And so like Jesus, he had to leave Nazareth and go and do what God called him to do. And what's amazing about the life of Jesus is how often the closest to him take him for granted. And the truth is sometimes when you get really close to something, it can become common to you. It was hard for the people to see Jesus as their savior because they knew him as, his, as their neighbor. And so it's hard sometimes to see the miracle in something you have become so familiar with. And so now the Gentiles, they showed up in masses. The religious crowd stayed away from him, rejected him. And you know what that's like because you know what it's like to, to become so familiar with something and things change out, which was amazing, became annoying. And, and we, you know, marriage is a great example of that. And I'm thankful for our Married for Life class. But you, know, you can go and you're dating this, this woman and she's just a perfect one. And you're telling your buddies like she's perfect. She's so organized. She's really got it together. She knows where she's going. She knows what she's doing. I love that about her. And ladies, you're, you're telling your girlfriends that he's just amazing. He's just so laid back and he's just so chill and nothing really gets him fired up or upset or anything like that. I love it. And five years down the road, you're going to your guys and saying, well, it's not so amazing anymore that that which was organized and got it together is bossy and controlling. It's annoying, not amazing. And, the, and ladies, you're going to your girlfriends and you're like, you know, he was just so relaxed and chill. He's a lazy bum. It's annoying. And it's not that he's changed. She becomes so comfortable with him. You become so familiar with it. And I believe a lot of times the hindrance to us moving forward can be that even when we come to a place like church. Let's church. Or someone just a Christian. And I know it doesn't have the meaning that it was intended. It's because man has changed things, what God intended, and we get into this place. And if you and I are not careful, we can come to the place that's like, hey, what are you doing Sunday? I'm just going to church. Oh, you go to church? Yeah. And if it becomes so common and familiar to us, then we can miss the power of God that's available every time we gather to move and work in people's lives, change our lives. And we want to go forward in the things of God and we want to experience all he has for us. And so this can never become common to you. Can I tell you, I don't want to come to a common church. I don't want to serve a common God. I don't want to try and work in a common strength. Because it doesn't cut it. Common doesn't cut it anymore. I want to go to an uncommon church with uncommon people serving an uncommon God that has uncommon power and uncommon answers for the things that I have in my life. That's what I want. It's hard for sometimes to see the miracle, something you become so familiar with, and so therefore we get disenchanted or we get into routine and we find ourselves falling or slipping away, rejecting that which God has to be a blessing to us. And so we only know the name of Nazareth just because Jesus lived there. There's nothing special about this town or community. And going 25 miles to Jesus' town after all the miracles Jesus had done, I wondered if the disciples that he took with them like, just like Jesus is leading the way, they're like, man, I mean, think of all the things that Jesus had done. Think about his own hometown now. I mean, they love him there. I mean, that town has to be proud. I remember driving to Tulsa, and on the way I passed through, I think it's Atoka or something like that, Oklahoma. They had this big sign that says, home of Reba McIntyre, you know? 
And it's like this town of like a hundred or something like that. You know, they're super proud. There wasn't a big billboard outside of Nazareth, home of Jesus, you know. And he's taking his disciples. Maybe the conversation, Peter, he's known just to say crazy things. Man, you think of how excited they're going to be to see him. I can't wait. I hope he gets to teach in a synagogue. They're just going to be wowed or in awe. All the wisdom, all the things that we hear him teach, he's coming home. They're just going to be, wow, Jesus, it's awesome. What about the miracles? And, and think of the things that we've seen so far Jesus do, raising the dead and healing people. Think of what he can do when people love him and know him. And yet, in his hometown, he was rejected. It's sad. But we have to be mindful of what, whatever becomes common to us than loses its power to us. That moment they categorized him as one of us. Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he Mary's son? Isn't he the brother of these guys, the sisters or his? The moment they categorized him as one of us, he became common. The moment that you categorize something meant to be special as common is the moment the miracle has lost its meaning. This is just church, I'm just a Christian. You know what I think about when it comes to moments like that, and I think of Jesus, and despite, and it says that even though Jesus was rejected, if you will, there, Jesus pushed through, he was rejected, but he did what he could, because the scripture says he healed a few. Even though he wasn't celebrated, he did what he could. Even though he wasn't appreciated, he did what he could. Even though he wasn't honored or recognized, he did what he could. You see, what happens is people take things for granted. You know the saying, right, that complacency, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds complacency. And when something is so close to you for so long and God puts something miraculous in your midst and you've been around it for so long, you cease to be amazed by it. See, it's not just the song service that we had today. It's the miraculous. It's the express power of God here. You shouldn't come and sing a list of songs. It's not the word that, that we're, we're preaching today. It's not my word. It's God's word. And therefore, it just has intrinsic power to do that, which is sent forth to do. We're not just here to hear a message. But when the message comes common and the song list becomes common to us, we miss the power that God always intended because we come familiar. And we're good at doing church. And I'm not knocking this, but I can, yeah, hey, we're going to go to church. Come with me. And yeah, we're going to sing probably three, maybe four songs. The first two will be maybe a little fast ones to kind of get us going. Then we'll, we'll slow down a little bit. And then uh, the guys will get up here and exhort. And they'll tell you to take your phone out. Hey, just be ready. Let's tell you, take your phone out. Go ahead, take a selfie and do all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm the pastor's going to get up there and, and all this kind of stuff. But can I tell you, when this becomes common, we miss the power of God for our life. Every time we come. It should be special. We should have this sense of amazement. I'm amazed that I get to go spend time with God. And I can do it at home, but I love doing it corporately. But here's the thing. We start taking it for granted. And if you start taking it for granted, there's a real danger there. Because what is consistently taken for granted is eventually taken away. And whatever that is, we know that to be true in our relationships or things like that, or even coming here, we'll drift away, we'll separate for those things because we didn't value it the way that we should. I think at times it can be our mindset about church. So here comes Jesus to his hometown of Nazareth and he comes with the same power, the same power. He comes with the same power that just a chapter earlier raised a little girl from the dead. He comes to his hometown with the same power that just healed a woman that had been sick for 12 years that did not take him for granted, that pressed through the crowd to just touch the hem of his garment at great risk to her own life. He came with the same power. The difference maker was she didn't take him for granted, but the people there did. And sometimes... Just to be honest with you, transparent, I take for granted the opportunity that I have every week to come and do this and to be a part of your lives. 
God gave me the honor to pastor such a diverse church, race and age and income and backgrounds. And sometimes I can let it be just another Sunday. I'm just being real honest. Sometimes it can be that way. But the devil's a liar. This is not common. I will not take these things for granted any longer. I will not allow, let me say it this way. I will not allow my miracle to be trapped in familiarity. I will not allow my miracle to be trapped in common. Because see, here's, I make, I make the decision. Because remember, he says, he could not do things that was based on their belief. And they choose to believe that there's nothing common about gathering with the all-powerful God. See, Jesus comes to Nazareth full of healing, deliverance, freedom, resurrection power. Jesus came to Nazareth full of the power to open blind eyes. He came full of the power to open deaf ears. He came full of the power to raise the dead. He came full of the power in a little town called Nazareth to set people free. Jesus didn't lose any of his power because he walked 25 miles. But the people there lost the appreciation of his power. And since they've lost the appreciation for his power, they have hindered the release of his power into their lives. And I wonder sometimes if that's what happens to us. I wonder if we've forgotten how good it felt to get saved. I wonder if we've forgotten what it meant to be forgiven. I wonder if we've forgotten how how good it felt to be free. I wonder if we've forgotten how, how good it is to know what Jesus thinks about you and not form our worth based on what people say about you, but sometimes we can treat even the blood of Jesus as common. And because we don't feel it, we begin to become familiar with it. And when you become familiar with it, you miss the power of it. But there's not common about the shed blood of Jesus that saved you and rescued you. Because the truth is, we still need his grace. Because I don't know about you, but I don't always get it right. And the, the, the honesty is, we all, just to be honest, we all have issues. Every single one of us. And if you don't think you do, that's your issue. (laughs) Just ask your neighbor. (laughs) Sometimes we allow ourselves to become so familiar that we've stopped being amazed. Stay amazed by it. Don't get comfortable with it. Every day is a gift. Every breath is a gift. See, power came to Nazareth. Let me say it this way. Power came to Tree of Life, but it was trapped in their familiar expectation. They missed the miracle, but it's church. I grew up in church. Let's take a look at Mark 6.2. Here's what it says. Mark 6.2, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many heard and were amazed. They didn't deny how amazing what he was saying was. Where did this man get these things? They did not deny that there was great power. They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? They didn't deny it. They didn't doubt it. They denied him. Because he came looking like one of them. He came in their eyes in a common way. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, take a look at the next verse. Isn't this the carpenter? Listen to this phrase. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this a carpenter? Isn't he common? Isn't this just church? Is this the son of Mary? Hey, let me say this. Back in the custom of the day, you don't do that. You don't call anybody by the mom. The culture is, you call him by the dad's name. So look at what they're saying. Isn't this Mary? It didn't matter if Joseph was on the planet or not. He may or may not have been. They still, culture should have said, they should have called him. 
at least Joseph's son. But there must have been in this little bitty town of probably a couple hundred people, there must have been this talk at some point in time about Joseph coming and Mary's pregnant and they had never been together and they're telling the story. Well, the dad is Father God and now you're thinking they put him down on their level thing. And yeah, I wanted, we never really saw the pregnancy test about all that. I mean, really, have you heard anything like that? God being the father? I mean, so, so much so that they were denying whose he was. I mean, let me say it this way. They either forgot who his father was or they did not know. And can I say this today, church? This is not my church. This is not Tree of Life Church, so to speak. This is Jesus' church. And let us not forget who our father God is. Let's not forget who our Father God is, and there's nothing common about our God. He's the all-powerful God, and he's here to move and work in our lives. So don't come and just come to church. You're coming to your Father's house. And let us not forget who our Father is, and it is Father God. And Jesus says he builds his church. It's his church. It's not mine. It's not ours. It's his I love that exchange right there. Wow, this is amazing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what, what? Did you see that miracle that he did? Well, hold on a second, hold on a second. He, he looks familiar to me. Yeah, but man, did you hear what he just said? I, I mean, you were talking to me and I almost missed it for a second there. Did you see? Look over here, quit looking away. No, 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 I hear you. But listen, he's, he's that carpenter guy. And they brought him down to this place of familiarity and commonness, and they missed what God wanted to do. But basically what they're saying is this felt familiar, and when it felt familiar, something in them, something in them caused them to push it away. Here's the thing. At some point in time, with that which is common or that which is familiar, we will tend to push away because we don't feel it can meet the need that we have in our life. And so we miss the opportunities to move forward because we have pushed away that which God sends, but because it's become familiar or common to us, we don't recognize, for what it, recognize it for what it truly is. God's trying to move and work in our hearts and lives. Listen, listen, for them to have sickness in their village and push away the healer? For them to have bondage in their village and push away the deliverer? For them to have brokenness in their village and to push away the restorer? What was it about Nazareth that made him push away the one that came to set them free? Because something must be going on here. Well, Nathaniel, one of the followers of Jesus, as Jesus was gathering his followers, Nathaniel gives us insight. Nathaniel and some of the other gospels, and John, he's called Nathaniel. Some other gospels, he's called Bartholomew. He had an alias, and I think I know why. I'll read the scripture, and you'll know why. And Philip is super excited, and he sees, and here's Jesus, and he's going to follow him, and he's running to his friend Nathaniel and says, you got to hear this guy. you got to see what's going on. we got to be a part of this. And so in John uh, chapter one, verse 45, here's, what, here's Philip and Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in law and whom the prophets also wrote. Here is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And you can imagine Nathaniel being super excited about that. Oh my goodness, are you serious? Just like the one, the prophets, all that. Where is he? What's going on? It's Je- who is it? It's Jesus of Nazareth. And you can just see, Nazareth? <laughs> Philip, are you sure? Because can anything good come from Nazareth? Apparently, Nazareth must have had a pretty bad reputation. <laughs> I mean, Philip, think of what you're saying here for a second. Nazareth, we, we all know Nazareth, Philip. I mean, can anything good come from Nazareth? Whatever that reputation. But here's what I know. Nazareth isn't just a place, and Nazareth isn't just a people. Nazareth apparently is a perception, 
and the perception of the people of Nazareth must have been so prevailing, even amongst the people themselves. Maybe they weren't rejecting Jesus and all the good and power they had. Maybe because of their mindset, they were rejecting themselves. That really, maybe nothing good really can come from us. Maybe nothing good can really come through us. See, Nazareth must have had a past. And because they choose to believe more about the past instead of the future, they've relegated themselves to familiarity and commonness. Instead of focusing on the future and letting the past be the past and living life forward and embracing the wonderful gift of God. And so maybe that's where we find ourselves. It's not that we deny the power of God, maybe. It's not that we deny the power of Jesus and the ability to do anything. We know he's powerful. We know he heals. We know he delivers. We know he sets free. We know he does all that. It's just maybe we don't think anything good can come from me, from you. Because we tend to listen maybe more to our past than have an expectation, a good expectation about our future. When you have a view of yourself that's been shaped year after year, generation after generation, perhaps by mistakes, sins, and failures, you start believing nothing good can come through you. They were amazed at what he did until they realized where he came from. He's one of us. Some of you right here today are trapped in your past. You gotta get some things in your past and move forward with them. Some things that aren't even your fault that happened that aren't even your fault. Things that have been done to you. There are things in this room that have happened in the past that still dominate your perception of what your future can be. Nazareth, can anything good come from someone like me? And again, there's a, a part of all of us, I believe, that is able to believe that God is great. But when we try and reconcile the fact of his greatness with the reality of our brokenness, we start to feel like them and we start to push Jesus away. And it's not that we can't believe that he's great. It's just that we can't believe that anything good can come from our life and we're trapped in our past and we can't move forward. It's not that we can't believe that he is able to do what he says he will do. It's because I'm trapped in my past and until we get past our past, we cannot move forward. So we come and we listen to a message and we come and we sing songs and worship and maybe lift our hands and maybe clap and we come and maybe we'll put something in the offering. We'll come maybe and serve. We'll come and talk to people and come here and, and experience that. But Jesus is limited in what he can do in your life because you're trapped in what you were, who you were, where you were, not what you are, who you are, or where you are. So Nathaniel said, not Nazareth, and we listen to the devil because the devil sits there and he's talking to us and saying, not you. You really think you can fix that marriage? Are you kidding me? You come from a long line of broken marriages. You don't even know what a healthy marriage looks like. You really think you can parent that child? You come from a broken home. You never really had a dad. How are you going to be a good dad? You really think you can do that? How's that going to happen? Not you. You can't. It's what tells you that you can be near the power of God, but not receive the power of God. They were right there. They rejected it. And yet it wasn't Jesus they were rejecting, it was themselves. And when people say something about you long enough, you start to believe it's really true. So what people say about me doesn't change who I am. Because if you believe you're worthless, it would be hard to worship a God who believed you were worth dying for. See, Jesus is still a healer. Jesus was still a deliverer in this moment. 
despite how they received him, Jesus was still the son of God, whether they believed it or not, whether they rolled out the red carpet or not, whether they honored him or celebrated him or not, he knew who he was. The question is, do you know who you are? Or do you need people to tell you who you are? See, if you let people tell you who you are, they'll say this, you're just a carpenter. You're just a single mom. You're just a divorcee. You're just a teenager. But if you know who your God is, you'll realize your life is not defined by an event in your past. Your life is defined by an event in his past. And that was an event called On the Hill at Calvary where Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood for each and every one of us. And that's the event called the empty tomb where Jesus came out in resurrection power. See, your past is not defined by the events of your past. It's defined by the events of his past. Do you know who you are? I'm accepted by him. I don't have to stay where I started. I don't have to be who I was. You don't have to be trapped in your past. You can move forward. Nazareth isn't a place again. It isn't a people. It's a perspective. But let's just take a look at this and see what happens. Let's finish this story out. Mark 6. We'll start in verse 6 is where we ended. But I only gave you half of that scripture. Let me finish that scripture in the next one. It says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And then it goes to say this. Immediately says, then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay there in that place of rejection. He didn't stay there in that place of disappointment. He didn't accept their familiar or common view of who he was. He knew who he was. And it was not going to change by even the people closest to him. Then he moved forward. Then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching and he called the 12 with him who he took there to learn this principle that rejection doesn't define you. Rejection doesn't dictate who you are or who you will be. Rejection doesn't determine who you are. God does. And he sends them off. He says he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. After the rejection, they walked out empowered to do even greater ministry than before. And I love that because to you and I, the rejections we face in life, they are not final as long as God is God. And rejection does not mean it's over. Some of our greatest blessings come on the other side of our rejections. Some of our greatest progress come on the other side of our rejections. Don't stay trapped in Nazareth. Don't stay trapped in your past. Don't you spend your life trying to prove yourself to other people or get their approval. Leave that place. Leave that perspective. Goes to say this in verse 10. Also, he said to them, In whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you, you're not there to please them. You're not trying to convince them of anything nor hear you. You're not there for their approval. You're not there for their acceptance. When you depart there, when you depart there, what do I do? I shake off the dust under my feet. I shake off the dust. When you get to that place and, you, and people are trying to, trying to bring you to this place of familiar, bring to this place of commonness, commonality, then you just shake the dust off your feet. You don't try and seek, seek their approval. You shake the dust off your feet. And I just, can I just tell you, it's in the book of Taylor Swift. Because haters are going to hate, hate, hate. So shake it off. Thus saith Taylor. Shake it off. Shake it off. Come on, when you get to that place of rejection, shake it off. When you get to that place and you're seeking man's approval, shake it off. When no one's going to listen to you or value, shake it off. When they're going to tell you, you don't need church, shake that off. You don't need God, shake that off. You can't do anything. You can't accomplish anything. Look at your past. You just shake it off. (laughs) 
It's not always gonna go the way you want it to go, and you will make mistakes, but if you'll shake it off in faith, you can move forward in what God has for you. See, Jesus was despised and rejected of men, the scripture says, so you would never have to be. You might feel rejected by people, but you'll never be rejected by God, never. In fact, here, let me say, say this, God selects who man rejects, because God is a good God. Come on, church, come on, somebody that believes that, come on. That's a good God. That's a faithful God. Shake off. Shake off the rejection. Shake off the past. Move forward in what God has for you. God's got an amazing plan for your life. You're not here to approve, approve yourself to any. You've already been approved and accepted by God himself. You just shake off all those things of your life. Don't let the devil lie to you. Not you. Not Nazareth. Believe what God says. This is word is true, because God selects who man rejects. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.